Welcome to the Pipeline Award-Winning Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jason Gibbs. You can find me on the artist formerly known as Twitter, at Pipeline underscore. And remember, YouTube and TikTok content coming out at Pipeline. And of course, you can find me coming through your earbuds right now. Week three in the books. An amazing week. It When is it not amazing? <laughs> but to take a step forward, of course, I got to ring in my guy, KSD, follow him on all social media at Pregame Empire. And KSD, you warned people who were saying, hey, this is a terrible week of football. That means something crazy is going to happen. And you tried to warn them on Twitter, at (laughs) Pregame Empire, by the way. Stop speaking it out of existence. (laughs) And I feel like maybe we got a little bit of that. You know, it's it's funny because it's, it's almost become the the thing now. Every every time that there is a weekend of college football that looks, you know, quote unquote bad on paper, you know, everybody goes, oh, 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 hold hold on a second. This is when things, you know, really go sideways. Like you know, the the shutdown forecast. Jason Kirk of the shutdown forecast sort of introduced this concept. He calls it Blood Week. You know, where it's the idea is just you know. Lots of upsets, you know, teams that are with 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 small numbers next to their names lose, you know, and, and we didn't have that this week. But, you know, kind of to your point, everybody was talking it up as, you know, you got to pay attention. You got to pay attention. You know, something's going to happen. And things kind of happened ish almost. You know, we had, we had had a lot of it was almost a week of almost as far as, you know, those those type, types of uh, of games are concerned. Yeah, I mean, we had potential to have totally yes. massacred week we had georgia losing at the halftime we yep. had alabama tied yep. late uh florida state I mean, almost you know it was, it was crazy and even and even and even outside of you know the uh the the traditional power conferences you know thursday night memphis you know it has to have a late defensive stop to beat navy army wins at utsa it's like okay you know that's kind of almost a harbinger of things getting weird you know and then yeah early saturday mizzou we'll come back to this one because we need to talk about, i want to talk about this but mizzou beats kansas state which is really kind of the only you know major you know rankings number upset of, of the day but you had that florida, early florida over tennessee yeah yeah right right but i mean that's not yeah. as much of a major upset but yes yes another one where the ranked team goes down but you know, at the same time, Wake Forest squeaks one out against Old Dominion. You know, and Ohio beats Iowa State in what may be the worst aesthetically pleasing game <laughs> of uh, of the year. And then you know, keep going. You, miss, the day. you like, misspelled you know, best. That's, that's true. <laughs> but like you mentioned, you know, the three thirty window, you had South Carolina up double digits at halftime at Georgia, and you know, South Florida and Alabama tied into the fourth quarter, where you're thinking. You know, okay. You know, this, we we might be heading that way, and you know, it's still, we still never never quite had the you know the one that hit. You know, Idaho had a seventeen point lead at Cal, they lost. Um, you know, keep keep going down here, keep going down. UNLV beats Vanderbilt. Eh, okay, that's something. Right. Miami Ohio beats Cincinnati. That's a little more a little more something. Mm-hmm. South Alabama smacks Oklahoma State. I don't think anybody is particularly surprised by this result uh though but again well may, now, maybe now, the disparity now we're, now we're talking a little bit yeah, the, yeah maybe yeah. the disparity i mean uh, oklahoma state could do nothing and we're probably need to have a conversation about moving on from mike gundy but i'm not sure pokes fans are quite ready for that yet 
But then, you know, again, we we, we round out the night kind of nicely. You know, BYU goes to Arkansas again. Mm-hmm. Not really a major upset there, but, you know, something that's you know, notable. Um, you know, Wyoming and Texas was tied in the fourth quarter. That was fun until it wasn't. Sacramento State beats Stanford, but again, people kind of saw that coming. Fresno State crushes Arizona State. Again, you know, not, I mean, the margin is probably really the surprise there more than anything, but it just felt like a day of, you know, we were just like, you know, coaches coaches say all the time after games, really in any college sport, you know, oh, we, were, we feel like we were one or two plays away, right? Like, that yeah. was kind of how the day was from just a pure chaos perspective. Like, there were a lot of things that were, ooh, you know, we need to flip over to that, take a look at that. But we were just really one or two away from getting a, a true chaos kind of day. Yeah, even the most, I think this was possibly the most hyped 22-point spread game I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Yeah, Colorado, Colorado State. And that turned into a barn burner, yeah, yeah, possibly yeah. the game of the year. But to your point, Colorado still comes out on top. Yeah, and... Um, you know, we, we, we do need to have the conversation about Colorado here. Like, I, I want to preface this by saying the Deion Sanders thing is is it's great for the program. It's great for the sport. It's great. It's really it's good for everybody that like, you know, there's something that is being latched onto in mm-hmm. college football. Like, oh, this is an incredible story. And it is like it's you know, the way he just came in and just completely you know turned them from a one win team to three and oh. Like it, it is a ridiculous turnaround. It's incredible. Like no matter what happens the rest of the way, you could call it a success for at least you know for for this season, right? Like you know, we'll see how how it plays out down the line once the shine wears off a little bit here. Mm-hmm. But with all this being said, from a from a pure football perspective, this team kind of is who we thought they were. Like you know yeah. what I mean, like. <laughs> like, like they beat TCU week one and everybody is, you know, going crazy. Like, oh, my gosh. And, and that was a big win, and you know, rightfully so. But, you know, TCU has followed that up by looking very pedestrian mm-hmm. uh, the, the last two weeks. They they smacked Nebraska, who, again, has proven to be, you know, nothing to write, to write home about. And, you know, like you mentioned, we had the, the game of the year in which they were, you know, like a 24-point favorite or something against Colorado State. Now, things are about to start getting really real. For Colorado, because yeah. you, you know, you know, you, I'm assuming you know who the, who the next two are against. I'm assuming one of them is a dark horse Heisman candidate. <laughs> yeah, somebody who's having you know, having having fun in the new office. Having fun wouldn't be wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, you know a dark horse for the Heisman. And then the other one is is the the actual Heisman, right? So <laughs> it, 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 it it like. Like it, it feels like I've never, I don't ever remember seeing a game between two teams ranked in the top 20. Like, and I, okay, this is going to be like a very like ESPN stats and info, you know, guy batting 250 when he's wearing sunglasses on Tuesday afternoon. Games yeah, exactly. At one. Pipeline stats and info. Yeah. Yeah. Oregon's ranked number 10 and Colorado's ranked number 19. And that's a, and Oregon's a three touchdown favorite. Yeah. That, that's not how that works. <laughs> not, not normally. No. I think uh, to your point, what what Dion has done is electric, and you can see it. It's there's a. I actually talked to someone who was in Boulder, who actually lives in in Boulder, yeah. and they were saying you can get, kind of feel it in the air. There's like a buzz that hasn't been there in ages, and uh, so great. And I, listen, this is the pod. We talk about weird, wild, wacky stuff. We talk about jokes. And 
We're, we don't often this, put this, on whole, our... this whole this whole thing's been weird, wild, and wacky. That uh, that that is definitely one way to describe it. Yeah, we don't often put on our football analysis hats. Normally, when we do, we're right, and I, th- I agree. We were kind of right about Colorado. Yes, they won the game. There is a bit of fool's gold element to this whole thing about them being three and zero, and I think we'll probably see that shine wear off a little bit in the next couple of weeks. To your point, now. I'd like I'd like to shout out Jay Norvell as well because the um the hat and sunglasses quote was great be- and it's great for one reason only because he didn't just say the thing that every coach always says which is just some boring right you know drivel of a uh, <laughs> you know pre written statement like more coaches need to take note of this and, and do this in the future like. The video of Dion trying to hype the team up, like, oh, they made it. He made it personal. Like, I can't believe he talk, like, like it's all. It's just the, the the fake the fake outrage that yeah. Dion created over this is just incredible. And we we need more of this in the sport because, like, it's just every answer is just the same. You know, copy and paste. Like, yeah. at, at least they're different. Yeah, and then of course he rides it with passing out sunglasses to his team. <laughs> We have ESPN anchors wearing sunglasses. The Rock shows up with sunglasses. It was just, and if you if you zoom out, if you if you're not you know fully buried into college football, and you zoom out just as a sports fan or even as a human, the level of preposterousness over oh, yeah. such a comment, and then it being you you would have thought that Jay Norvell had a, had personally attacked. The uh, like a physical altercation, you know, <laughs> the way he talked about. It. I mean, Dion had his mom hype up the 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 uh, team before the game. It was otherworldly and, and almost an out of body experience. It's literally Dion, the Rock, and Dion's mother in the locker room. <laughs> I mean, what are we I even did. talking about? I did love the uh, the Shiloh Sanders pick six early in the game because you can see the moment where he hits the plus like forty, where he like you can see him want to high step, like he wants to yeah. high step like Dion used to. And was the, the thing I don't know because it could have been either way. I don't know if he didn't because he thought like he realized like yes, this is going to be a penalty and this is not going to be good, mm-hmm. or if he realized that if he did that, he was totally going to get caught because yeah. like he was like he barely made it as it was, but if he high stepped, he gets caught at like the fifteen. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely entertaining. I will say this: I, I'm with you, uh, Dion's All this is fun, and I, I do think the bloom is going to come off the rose the next few weeks, but, but I mean, like. That's the ultimate question for really for how successful this is holistically for Dion, both at Colorado or also at whatever the next stop will be, because there will be a next one is, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so we've seen like the, the Jackson state, you know, part of this was a different animal, just given that it was, you know, it's an HBCU, which both affect the level of being at FCS is different, but also like the way, you know, the, the, the way um, Dion runs things would be is received differently as well at, you know at, at somewhere like jackson state versus colorado right like yeah you know not 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 breaking any news here um but so so now that this has happened you know we had the whole off season and the all the the stuff leading you know the hype leading up to this and now that they've won three games obviously it grows exponentially you know what happens once once they start losing you know what mm-hmm. i mean like what happens once the shine yeah. fades a little bit 
you know, no matter how they finish the year, what happens, you know, going into next season, that's ultimately where the interest lies for me in this is, is this something that's sustainable on a program like this when you don't just have like a, a, a miracle dream, you know, kind of three and a start. Yeah. So I've seen e- even Alabama fans being like, Oh, he, he can replace Nick Saban. And I, let's, let's throw a couple losses to see how, the whole thing holds together. I mean, now, to clear, it's gone a lot better than I thought it would to this yeah. point. But like, I, I'm just curious how how quickly this shine fades. You know, if they if they go out and lose by three touchdowns at Oregon on Saturday. Right. So I'm always cheering for, especially when I don't have necessarily a rooted interest. I always cheer for the most hilarious thing to happen. That's just how I am, and it's fodder for the spot. But I I do that no matter what. Now. The beginning of the year, the preseason win total for Colorado opened up at five and a half. Okay. It was steamed down. Heavy, sharp money came in to three and a half. It would be hilarious if they started out three and oh and then lost out and the under still hit. <laughs> All right. I, ha- I do have their schedule up. Let's, let's examine how possible this is quickly and then we can get <laughs> off of Colorado. So we've already mentioned the next two are at Oregon and USC at home. Let's say let's say for the sake of argument, at best they split those, right? Like so, you know, worse more, more likely they probably lose them both. Let's mm-hmm. let's say that's three and two. I would think following the the next two following that are the two worst teams in the Pac-12 at Arizona State and Stanford at home. One would think, one would think that probably gets you there, right? Like you probably catch one of those two because if you don't, then we're starting to talk about it being pretty dicey. Yeah, because. They closed at UCLA, Oregon State at home. Arizona at home was another one that you, you, would, you would feel better about than some of these others at Wazoo, at, at Utah. Like, I mean, this thing ramps up big time yeah. starting next week. Yeah, so you're right. It, they better catch probably Stanford <laughs> at home, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's your one. Yeah. I you think did, that's you probably did. your best shot. <laughs> now, I mean, again, like they, they could they could win some of these. Like you know, they're probably not winning at Oregon. They're probably not beating USC. Like, but they could win. You know, at UCLA or at Wazoo or hell, maybe even at like Utah. But you know, again, like I, I I'm not sure. I really yeah. see it in a lot of these for them. Yeah, especially if they run across a stout defense that can actually slow them down. Because remember, it, the Nebraska, the final score got away from them, but they were yep. being held down for well into yeah. the third quarter. So, yeah, we're not going to do a whole Colorado show. I th- we'll save that for 60 minutes. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they're doing that. They're To, to timestamp this, they are doing that at the moment. So. <laughs> right. But listen, longtime Pipeline Nation members know I absolutely abhor politics. Okay. But I'm going to channel – former president George W. Bush, when he said, of course, famously, of course, fool me once, shame on, <laughs> shame on you. Fool me. Can't get fooled again. Because I thought that, I thought that was a Jake Cole lyric. I didn't realize that that was, uh, that was uh, George Bush uh, who said that originally. Yeah. You can't get fooled again. Last week, it was fun and games for us with Mr. Phil Jakovic. This week, I think we were fooled twice. Shame on us. Uh, it can't get fooled again because 
something happened to Phil Dracovic. I'm not well, sure what. I'm not sure if he had Tommy John surgery. I, and he's playing I, I, I could tell you what happened. I could tell you what happened. He's being coached by a team that is led by a Mr. Pat Narduzzi. That, that, there's, a, there's a very simple explanation here. I don't know if he knows how to throw the football anymore. That, did, did Pat deprogram him? Because at one point he could throw the football. Yes. <laughs> I, 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 I think he might have. Because let's let, let, let's remind uh, let's remind everybody here. I know you know if you're listening to this, you probably are aware of this. But in uh, in 2021, Pitt won the ACC, right? Mm-hmm. And Pitt won the ACC with the best wide receiver in the country in Jordan Addison with Kenny Pickett, who was a Heisman finalist at quarterback, and they were putting up like 40 a game. And in the two seasons since then, like, like this, this took a piece of Pat Narduzzi's soul. Like this, this hurt him to his core. Like he, you know, he, Mark Whipple leaves after that season to go to Nebraska, basically mm-hmm. because him and Pat didn't get along because Pat thought scoring points was like against God. And, since then, Narduzzi has more or less tailor made his offense to score exactly like ten and a half points per game, <laughs> and that's pretty. I mean, like I, I had like the the man has he's basically sabotaging himself in the in the uh, in the name of playing like you know big boy man football. This is how they do it in the NFL. Like so, yes. I mean, you're saying like, oh, did Pat Narduzzi deprogram Phil Dracovic? Absolutely, like a hundred percent, he did. <laughs> that is what that is what is happening here. Like. I, I I'm so I feel bad for Phil Dracovic. Like, Phil, I'm sorry, man. Like you do not deserve this. You you are better than this. It is not your fault. In civil engineer, a, a um, West Virginia <laughs> Twitter account had this great tweet where it showed the number of West Virginia interceptions, which was three thrown by Mr. Dracovic, totaling 66 yards. There, there wasn't a West Virginia quarterback that had more than sixty-seven. <laughs> he only had the their leader only had sixty yards. Not a banner day at the West Virginia quarterbacking position, but an even worse day from the Pitt quarterbacking position. But I guess well, you're right. You I guess it's been deprogrammed. So do you remember when Jordan Addison entered the transfer portal? It was like it was like in April. It was kind of it was you know it was a late entry. Mm-hmm. It was like April April twenty twenty two, and immediately everybody starts crying foul on the oh you know this is this is nil this is uh this is ruined this is the end of college sports as we know it you know all mm-hmm. the stupid stuff that comes up anytime you know something remotely close to this happens because yeah i mean like on like not saying that they are right but on the surface it's weird that you know the best receiver in college football would leave well <laughs> look at look at what pitt has done on the <laughs> offense since that moment like Jordan Addison was right, man. Like Jordan Addison would not have been a first round pick if he was playing at Pitt last year. He he he's not saying he didn't get a, a pretty penny or two to you know, specifically end up at USC, but I mean he he knew better than to stick around there. Yeah, I think he, he when he saw uh, Narduzzi grab the wheel, he knew it was heading over the cliff. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only thing, only thing, only thing he could have done worse would have been signed with Iowa. I think that's the only only way he could have downgraded. <laughs> yeah, but. I mean. It's 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 the exact same concept. I mean, of you know, we're just going to we're going to try to score five safeties. We're going to punt, you know, on the plus thirty five, and you know, if our quarterback throws for exactly one hundred and seven yards, that's that's what we're looking for here. I mean, that's I, I the, the the baffling. I mean, the most baffling part about it for Pitt is that they saw they they saw the light for one year and had a dream, you know, dream mm-hmm. season. Yeah. 
and that that that, that wasn't good enough for Pat. That's too much. It was Icarus, man, flying too close to the sun, melted their wings. Yeah, exactly. Except for it was the opposite because it actually worked. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like flying too close to the sun got you like the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, don't doubt two and a half yards and a cloud of dust, man. That that'll get you ten yards every drive. Yeah. All right. Speaking of offenses who struggled, uh, Tennessee uh, was one that uh, that struggled. Well, they struggled this on the field, but. There was a guy who was also trying to struggle off and on the field at the same time. I mean, Tennessee's offense at least wasn't struggling by design. Like, you know, right. Pitt's struggling on purpose here. Like, Tennessee was trying. I don't know if this is better or worse, but they were at least, you know, attempting to move the ball. But <laughs> it did cause some angst amongst their fans, na- notably. It did cause Mr. some angst. Mr. Dylan Duggan, uh, who, who said if – they couldn't get it together. He was obviously at the swamp. They couldn't get it together. The balls couldn't get it together. He was going to get arrested that night. And guess what? He ran well, he on the field. Said, he, he specifically said he was going to go to jail. Yes, that's actually true. <laughs> Which runs on the field, films it, all for the gram, I guess, and then tweets out, can someone <laughs> come come bail him out of Alachua County Jail? He wasn't joking. <laughs> So I want to I, I want to go back to to what to the, the first quote because I want to just make sure that this is entered a hundred percent correctly for the record here. So Dylan Duggan, this this is uh this is via Dylan's uh, Facebook. He says Joe Milton is all caps not the answer. Fire our OC and get Nico into the game. Nico being um the freshman quarterback. They also have a freshman Nico. Nico Iamal Lava Leva. I don't know how you say his name. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Yeah. Um, Continuing Dylan's uh, Dylan's post here, all caps. Why are we cursed in this game? Why can't we win in the swamp? If we keep getting our butt whooped, I swear I'm going to jail tonight. Which you know, is followed up by like everybody saw on ESPN. Dude was on the field, gets arrested. So, Jason, I um, I want to pose a question here about about Dylan because first of all, well, first of all, it's rare that somebody you know, it's not rare for somebody in college, you know, in a college athletics event to say. Oh man, if we if you know, if we keep sucking, I'm going to you know, I'm going to go to jail tonight or something. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's been said before. This is not the first time. It's rare that there's that there's follow through on this uh, on this <laughs> claim though. Yeah. But I think Dylan might have taken the easy way out here, and here's why. So running onto the field at a sporting event, you know, is probably like a ninety percent, maybe ninety five percent arrest rate. Mm-hmm. across the board in all sports right like it's rare that anybody ever makes it out have you ever seen somebody make it out on a football game i have seen that <laughs> one time it okay. was it was years ago i'm probably giving away a little too much if i tell you where i was at but i'll I won't, so i'll withhold that but okay he streaks on the field i want to say he was either naked or had just his underwear on and he was wearing a cape streaks all the way across the field. He does a flip over the fence, keeps running, does a flip over another fence and disappears into the night. They never caught him. Man, uh, now, I, I don't, I don't, wait. I don't think our guy Dylan was, was that was this prepared for the moment. That That's what I was going to tell you. So because we have video, we can get a pretty good estimation of Dylan's athletic prowess and, no, there are going to be very few fences that he's flipping over. Fall over, maybe. 
That's it. That's well, so, in play. But flipping so, over and running out, no. So my point, like you know, about taking the easy way out here, because again, so first of all, it, it's rare enough to begin with to see somebody shriek the field at a sporting event and make it out without being arrested. Yeah, super right? rare. That, I mean, that is, I know I offered rare. a counter example, but it's super rare. Yes. Yes. But I, but I also would would posit that it's even rarer at a football game than you know, like football and soccer. It's almost impossible. You mm-hmm. mentioned an example. It's hard to dig for something like that. Baseball is the one where it gets a little easier to poten- potentially do it because each field is different. You know, maybe there's a wall that is small to get over in the outfield. Yeah. Or or you trust your climbing skills and you can climb a taller wall that you know maybe the, uh, the police can't get after. Also, mm-hmm. it's easier to access the concourse from the outfield seats to potentially find an escape route. Because you know, most of the time it's not that far to, from the outfield wall to the concourse. Whereas in a football stadium, there's also a lot more people on the field, not only in the game, but also who aren't involved with you know, the actual playing of the game. Plus, it's going to take you a minute to get up, you know, to a to a potential point of uh, of egress. So, um, I think Dylan took the easy way out here because also in a college football weekend, it's you know, it's fairly common to see arrests made on college campuses with mm-hmm. some sort of correlation to the game you know whether it's a fight in the stands or you know a bar fight after the game and i'm not condoning violence here by the way but let's <laughs> let's let's make that clear um you know or some sort of you know d- drinking related incident yeah. of some sort like th- those are very common across every college campus in the country at, after the game right and you know it, it, it would have been also, fairly, you know, understandable if Dylan ended up in some sort of situation like that. Not understandable that he committed a crime, but understandable if that was something that had occurred, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like it would not have surprised anybody. But yet, our man chose to basically just amble onto the field and just say, "Come and take me." Like I, it, it feels very, it's almost stolen valor, like shot calling by by him. Yeah, I, I'll I'll uh, I'll agree with you. Let's take it a step further. Okay. Let's say he, so he. I guess he didn't tweet it out. He Facebooked it out. Uh, <laughs> imagine he Facebooks it out. You know, Joe Milton's not the answer. Blah blah blah. If if we keep getting our butt, what I'm going to go to jail. And then the next one is he robbed a convenience store <laughs> because they kept. Lo- Think about the le- legendary status at that point. Now he's probably facing more time, but <laughs> imagine him him in jail for actually holding up a convenience store with a gun. That's a called shot. And and you, that's actually following through on it in the hardest way, you know, one of the harder ways possible. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. But I appreciate, I appreciate Dylan being, being a hero here. At least, like at least if, if someone's going to run on the field, at least make it interesting in the sense of he's, ha- you know, he had the, had the receipts, you know, mm-hmm. like we, we we did have something to uh, to 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 back to back it up with, so I, I do appreciate him there. Can uh can we stick at the SEC real quick, Jason? We we need to we need to talk about Mizzou because I I do think this has potential to be unironically one of the greatest kicks I've ever seen. It was amazing. So of course we're talking about at the gun, Mizzou Mevis, the kicker. Yes, and, and this and this is and, not and, the, this and is he's the, hefty. Is, he's he's got a yeah. little weight behind him. I think that's what he's he put his not, weight behind this, him. Yeah. This is not the first occurrence for our guy Mevis on on the big stage, too, because Harrison Mevis last year put on a damn clinic against Georgia, if you'll recall, 
when uh when Georgia went up to uh, to Columbia, he had like three or four you know field goals of uh, of of some of some length. Yeah. Which of course, if Mizzou had converted those drives into touchdowns, they probably would have won the game. You know, and he was doing the the whole you know he had the strut going, he had you know the pitching <laughs> wedge out. You know, what I'm saying like you know he was he was hamming it up because he knew he was putting on a show against the number one team. Well, that that guy was the guy who was at it again. Yeah, I mean, because he drilled it. Because this is to me, we we joke about college kickers all the time. Of course, Pat McAfee had his thing on game day where he drew a person from the crowd and let them try and kick a what was it thirty yard field goal for twenty five thousand dollars. The guy's a soccer uh-huh. player and he didn't even get close. Right. McAfee just saying, "Hey, we joke about college kickers and it's a lot harder than it looks." That being said, sixty one yards is. With the game on the line, nonetheless, this isn't at the end of the half or something. 61 yards is impressive in the NFL, much less in college. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I it's rare to see, it's rare to even see a uh, a college team attempt a 60-yarder, especially yeah. at the end of the game like this, which goes to a greater point here because um, what the hell was Mizzou doing on this last drive? Like, you, they're setting up a the, – they're, they're going for the 56-yard field goal, which, again, in college is is rare to begin with you know, for the win here because, you know, the potential for it being blocked is so much higher. Like, mm-hmm. if your guy has the leg to even get it there, you know, odds are he's going to push it way in one direction or the other. And they, they take a delay of game. <laughs> I think because, he just wanted to set the SEC record because he did set yeah. the SEC record. Yeah. <laughs> but he, like, he had to take that delay of game to do it. Because, like, how do you take a delay game on the game-winning field goal? Like, the game clock is stopped. You know, like, you know what you're going to do. Like, you got plenty of time to get out there and, and get set up. But, yeah, I mean, this thing, too, this thing would have been good from, like, 68. Like, I mean, this dude, yeah. this dude nailed it. So, K-State had a guy back for a possible kick-six situation. He didn't have a shot. It no, went no. well over his head and well past the, uh, the uprights. This wasn't a squeaker. It wouldn't have mattered on this kick particularly, but I do think that if you put a guy back there, he should be allowed to block it if it's close. I agree. Like I, I actually didn't know that, that until maybe like a few years ago. Cause I thought like when, you know, when they try in the NFL, I thought get one of these guys, these wide receivers that, you know, especially when they go and like dunk on the yep. goalposts, obviously they can jump, get them up there. But I, I didn't know it wasn't allowed. I feel, I feel like it should be. Because I think that would be an amazing play, both of athleticism, but just super interesting and fun to watch. Well, so so the uh, the goalpost is ten feet, right? Like ten right. feet above yep. the ground. And I remember um, when Joe Kim Noah was at Florida. I remember game day doing a segment. I don't remember why. I think they they had played in some you know some close games or had some field goal block success or something. Basically about like. What if you just put Joe Kim Noah on the field goal block team and not not had him in front of the goalpost like that? Because again, illegal. But what if you put him? You know, because you know when you, when you line up for the field goal block, you basically put everybody on the line except for like two dudes who are like in the middle. Normally, it's like a linebacker or safety or something. You know, or some combo, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what if you made Joe Kim Noah the back guy in the middle and just told him to just jump straight up? Like he didn't have to go towards the line at all. Just yeah. had him like vertical and see if he could just block it yeah let's take that concept and apply it to standing under the goalpost right like you just take your shot blocker from the basketball team and you stick him under the goalpost and so on a long field goal if you miss it short like you know he's just gonna swat it away (laughs) 
Well, I can't wait to see Zach Eady in football pads. That's my <laughs> that's my biggest <laughs> my biggest I dream. Mean, yeah, I mean Zach, Zach like Zach Eady be perfect for this. Like un, under the rim. I mean, although that wasn't a that wasn't Purdue's problem on Saturday. We could talk about that in a second. But yeah, Zach Eady. <laughs> Like basically just not not even having to jump and just swatting away field goals is is a dream college football scenario. All right. So speaking of Purdue here, um Purdue loses by two touchdowns at home to Syracuse in an NBC uh NBC Big Bucks special on <laughs> um sat- on Saturday night. Um Garrett Schrader for Purdue. I, I have always been a, a a Garrett Schrader fan because Garrett Schrader is the most um like he, he the most driving the car on empty, you know, as far as he possibly can quarterback in the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, like it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's, he's either making it or he's not And to him. It doesn't really matter. It's kind of all about the thrill. It's like that Seinfeld episode where they try to mm-hmm. see how far they can right. get the car to go on empty, you know, before, <laughs> before it goes out. Like that, that's Garrett Schrader playing quarterback. Um, And, He's apparently added a new dimension to uh, to this game, which is just elite elite play fakeness. Because twice, twice in this game on, on in meaningful plays, by the way, one is the third and goal where they where he scores a touchdown, and the other is a a late play where he gets a first down to basically ice the game. He did does did, did the like the really slow and exaggerated play fake, but fooled everybody. Like I. I it's almost like like Serge Jabari Rice going back to basketball for Texas last year had the best pump fake I've maybe ever seen in college basketball. Mm-hmm. Like Garrett Strader has the best play action play fake I, I have ever seen in college football. Definitely, it, definitely in college football, and I would say it rivals even pro football, who obviously do that for a living and practice it all the time. It was immaculate. I, I'm I'm with you. It, you could not tell at all. It, he did a perfect sell jump and he waltzed in for the touchdown. And for that picking up the first down, he, he probably could have scored uh, what would have been like a 50 or 60 yard run, but he oh, didn't yeah. need to. So he yeah, just he slid just down. Went. I was trying to go back and, and, and I was looking up um, various things on YouTube or whatever. And I found a couple of uh boomer Esiason play action, okay. play action fakes. I think when he played, when he played for Cincinnati, now he was a lefty, so it looked it looked kind of smooth, but that right. that one was up there. But Schrader's, I would put up there with that one yeah. that I those couple that I saw from Boomer. So watching both of these Schrader ones, especially the second one, I do have a slight concern, and it's a similar concern that I've always had for Wake Forest quarterbacks doing the slow mesh, which Richard mm-hmm. Johnson of Sports Illustrated has coined the. Uh, the bride of uh, the father walking the bride down the aisle, uh, you know, zone, <laughs> zone read play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very similar concern here because on both of these, but especially the second one, Schrader makes the fake and he kind of just stands for a, like for a couple seconds almost yeah. with his back to the line of scrimmage before doing, before being like, okay, I've got the ball now. Come get me. Like now that this is on film, yeah, there's going out. to be a defensive <laughs> lineman that is going to kill him. And exactly. we, and if we know something about Garrett Schrader, we know he is one. He is not, pr- or he is prone to uh, to getting, you know, especially obliterated. Because if you'll recall, his freshman year at Mississippi State, he had the uh, the greatest helicopter hit in probably college football history, yes. where he was like ten feet in the air, and he's brought that to Syracuse as well. So this, there is going to be one time this year where Garrett Schrader gets broken in half on uh, on one of these little play fakes. <laughs> 
Well, Garrett Schrader getting broken in half, I think, is the perfect bow to this pod. <laughs> perfect visual bow to put on the, the back end of this pod. There, there's something, something about Syracuse quarterbacks that just constantly getting crushed. <laughs> like Eric Dungy was the same way. Garrett Schrader is not as bad as Dungy, but we'll see if you know how, how that continues with, uh, yeah. with all this play fake stuff. <laughs> Remember, if you haven't subscribed yet, definitely do so. We put these out every week. Always like to have fun with it. Make sure you give us a five-star review. If you haven't followed me on Twitter, at Pipeline underscore, and remember, YouTube.com slash Pipeline underscore, and on TikTok at Pipeline. KSD on all social media at Pregame Empire. We'll see you guys next time on the Pipeline Award-winning podcast.